Welcome to Mission Viejo Christian Church. Today, Pastor Mike Maiola is bringing the word to you. So open up your Bibles and listen in. We have an extraordinary God, don't we? So I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. It's our anchor text for these next three weeks. Uh, we started part one. This is part two. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. I, I, I'm a firm believer that the church of Jesus Christ is the most happening thing on the face of the earth. There is nothing better than life change. There is nothing better than supernatural transformation. And I just want to remind us today, I don't know, maybe you're here kind of checking out religion or getting back to church or maybe here and gosh, you know, I don't even know if there's a God. My, I believe that God can meet us right where we are and show us and display how awesome he is. That was what was happening here in Acts chapter 2. My, my, my hope today is that we will take a look at what God's word says about us, but most importantly, who he is. And God, what do you want me, how do you want me to respond? Let me just give a little background work before we get into the text today about Acts chapter 2. Jesus spent three years with his 12 men that he handpicked. He lived with them. He did life with them. He poured into them. He challenged them. He infused them with power. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross now. And as he goes to the crucifixion, the disciples are bewildered. They are scattered. They, I'm sure, had a lot of questions and they um, sure, certainly didn't expect this to happen. So when Jesus had spent, after the resurrection, he spent 40 days giving some last instructions to his 12 men. And in that instruction, that word, everything Jesus did was always out of love. Everything Jesus did was always about love. If you're here today and questioning or have some questions or maybe confusion about God's love, maybe there's some incorrect teeth, God loves you exactly, exactly where you are and how you are. And he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us the way we are. He is building something in you that reflects his son, Jesus. He wanted to impart that to his 12 men. And so as Jesus literally tells us in the Gospels that when Jesus was ascended into heaven, the disciples are looking at the soles of his sandals. Jesus said, I want you guys to go to Jerusalem, to that familiar place where we've been before, in the upper room, and I want you to wait. I want you to wait. What he was really saying is, I need you to trust me. Now, here's a question I have, because they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went to the upper room. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, which we'll read the text in just a second, but I want you to get a background of this. They did exactly what God called them to do. Not only did they go to the upper room, but it says they were praying together. So why'd they do that? Why did they do what Jesus told them to do? Was it because they went to all the right classes? Nothing wrong with going to classes. Did they do it because it was the right thing to do? Nothing wrong with doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do according to God's word. But I think there was something in there, in their spirit. They loved him. They loved Jesus with all their heart. There were four things, four simple things that the believers were doing in Acts chapter 2 that we're going to look at. I think they did those four things because they love him. 
So we're going to talk about one of the most powerful things that you have in your hand. You ready? It's the Word of God. I want two things. I want you to, I want so much for you to get to know the Word of God. But I want, at the end of these 32 minutes that we have, I want you to love God's Word. And I want change. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did. These guys are in the upper room. They did what Jesus told them to do. They're waiting. They're praying. The rushing wind comes in. There's tongues of fire. Peter opens the door. There's thousands of people there from all over the, all over the country. And they are there speaking different languages. He gives the good news, the gospel. The gospel is good news. What's the good news? Bottom line is we were destined for lostness away from God. But because of the love of Jesus, he rescued us into salvation and into new life. The disciples knew that new life because the Spirit of God was so powerful. And as they communicated that, 3,000 people got saved. Three, watch this. It went from one person, Jesus, to 12, the disciples. Then it went to 120 believers in the upper room where we are now to 3,000 people overnight. Then the next chapter, it went to 5,000 people who got saved. So they asked the question, what do we do with all these people? We don't have a structure built enough, we, we, big enough. We can't get them into the, the, the synagogue. We're, we're going to spend millions of dollars building a building. Why don't we just meet in homes, in small groups, and we'll just love Jesus together, and we love him so much that other people will be so attracted into the supernatural love that God has this place will explode, and that's exactly what happened. So here's the question. What were they doing? So glad you asked. <laughs> Acts 2, 42 through 47. Come on, go with me. You ready? If you have your smartphones, open up. Acts chapter 2, 42. If you have your Bibles, cool. If you don't, you can look on the screen. It's right here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, look at this, all the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and they praised God, and they enjoyed their people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now the dynamic, you just, when you read this, when you hear this, there's, there's, there's an on-fire church. There's a community of people who are doing what Jesus called them to do, but they're also being what Jesus called them to become. Now, here's, here's, here's where it all happens I don't think that was, well, that was a long time ago. That's the way God worked, and that's the only way he worked was thousands of years ago. Brother, we have our church, and this is the way we do things here now. Pooh! Because it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, right? Same Holy Spirit, same resurrection power that's in you, that's in me. What brings about this kind of, when we use the word church, remember last week we talked about ecclesia, the Greek word, called out ones. We are the church. It's the, the church building's not the church. We are the church. So what was the secret ingredient to bring about this power? 
This supernatural power that not only were they changed, but man, people were finding God all over the place. Daily. It wasn't Sunday morning church services. Daily people were getting saved. Do we see that? Okay, here, here we go. Here's, I, I, I just, this is what I see, and then we'll get deeper into the text. Number one is, anytime there was a mighty move of God, that's a biblical move of God. Number one is, there's always extraordinary prayer. Acts chapter one, that's what they were doing. They were praying together in the upper room. Holy Spirit comes, man, life would never be the same. This is not just, Lord, bless my day and protect me in Jesus' name when I take my kids to school or when I'm going to college. Lord, help me not to run out of gas. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not that kind of prayer. Lord, bless my happy meal. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, well, let's just go back to the word, right? These are the kind of prayers that they were offering. Turn in your Bible over to the next page, chapter 4. I just, I just want to take a second. This is so important. I want to read the prayer that they prayed in Acts chapter 4. This is Peter and John, days after Pentecost. They see a beggar by the side of the road. They heal the guy in Jesus' name. Everybody starts going nuts. People are asking questions. The religious people, the church people of that day, the religious leaders, we don't like Peter and John because they're stealing our thunder. So they hauled him into the magistrate office, and they start all the questions and start all the opposition. When Peter and John had given the good news to the chief magistrates, the, 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 the elders of the religious society, when they left that room, they went back to their people, the believers, probably the 120 that were in the upper room, and here's how they prayed. You ready? Yeah. Chapter 4, verse 23. On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together. Now watch this prayer. This is what they prayed. It wasn't, Lord, protect us so nothing ever bad happens to us so we can be effective for you, Jesus. Watch how they pray. First thing they say is, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign means God's in control. If God causes us to be in prison, if God gives me a bad report from the doctor, if God gives me this or gives me a, a Mercedes or gives me a Corolla, what, I don't care, Lord. Whatever you want, God, you're sovereign. Lord capital L. That means master. That means number one. He's the ruler of our life. They said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. And they quote the scripture from the Old Testament. Why do the nations and people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Why is there so much opposition? They're, they're, they're basically reciting back to God, Lord, you said this was going to happen. And so in verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Basically what they're saying is, God, you said thousands of years ago through the prophet David that this was going to happen, and now we're seeing it happen. You follow their prayer? It's like they're so in tune with the will of God, they're praying scripture. I love this. Then they said this, they did what your power and will have decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to never go through it again. No, that's not what it says. Enable your servants to speak the word, your word, with great boldness. This is the kind of prayers I, I want us to, to pray. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Yeah. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That is extraordinary prayer. We are learning at MVCC that prayer is the power source for living for Jesus. And so we're learning together. Amen. I just want to stop here and say that's the first thing that happens when God prepares his people for something great. I do not believe that it's God's will that we have these little seats right here and this is all we have. There are thousands of people who are lost out there. I was one of them. If my sister didn't invite me to the Christian concert, I never would have found Jesus. So extraordinary prayer. And she told me, I was praying for you for six months. I said, dude, don't pray for me anymore. She says, I can't help it. (laughs) Number two is this. When there's extraordinary prayer, we return to a genuine repentance. You can't be in the presence of God and be proud. You cannot be in the presence of God and think you're all that and a bag of chips. It doesn't work. You come into the presence of God, you find, you, the Holy Spirit starts speaking. Oh, I need you to rearrange this. I need you to stop doing this. I need you to start doing this. I need you to do this. Why? Because he's sculpting us to look more like Jesus. Question, how does that happen? Through his word, right? Number three, number three, there's a return. When there's a mighty move of God, there's a return to genuine worship and obedience, right? Listen, I praise God for Mark and Kaylee. Mark is the guy that leads our worship. Kaylee, the whole team. You know what I love? You know what I love? It's all from here, baby. It's all from the heart. It's not a show. It's not a performance. You can tell. You can tell within minutes whether someone's genuine or not. They just want us all to love God and sing to God. But what this really means is not just 15 minutes on Sunday morning. We should give everything back to him on Sunday morning because it's the one shot we got where we're all together. Well, I can worship God on the golf course. Yes. You can worship God on Lake Mission Viejo fishing, just you and yourself in the fishing pole in Jesus. You can do that. But there's a corporate dynamic that's different. Don't let anybody tell you I don't need the church. You do. You need one another. I need you. I come into this place often worship services and I'll have, man, a thousand things on my head. I'm thinking about, man, uh, Sunday afternoon, we got to do this, 2.30 appointment here. Oh, yeah, we're doing my uh, uh, movie, and, and, and we're doing dinner. And then, oh, yeah, Sunday night when everything winds down, i got to start working on my next message for the next week because it takes me that long to put together these messages. i got all that in my head. And sometimes I come in here, I'm stressed out, I'm anxiety-filled, and I'm angry. <laughs> I need you. Because when I see you, I'm encouraged. When I see my brothers and sisters lifting hands, hey, brother, good to see you. Hey, man, isn't it great giving hugs? It starts to warm my heart. It brings me to Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you they don't need the church. Everybody needs the church. What we don't need is religion. We don't need organized religion to just tell people what to do. It doesn't have anything to do with what the Bible says. We need one another. That's the sign Oh, when a revival happens. Number four is this, a return to, here's what I want to talk about today in the last 20 minutes is return to the word. It's not my word. It's not your word. It's his. The early believers, they always said in verse 43, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Remember that the context, they didn't have the book of Galatians to open up to. They didn't walk around with a New Testament. They didn't, they didn't have a Bible. So all they had was the apostles' word that was the word of God. 
And so what were they speaking? In Acts chapter 2, Peter spoke the good news, the gospel. And then he related the Old Testament to show them Jesus is the Messiah. So lest we think we, we have to know Greek and Hebrew and the context and we got to know all these concordances and you got to study, 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 and then someday I'll be able to speak the word of God. Uh-uh. If you've been touched by Jesus, you have him in your heart. You have the Holy Spirit. When you start to read the word, the Holy Spirit takes what you read and he gives you something for someone else, right? That that right there is what was going on in Acts chapter 2. There was a genuine return to the word. Do you see that? We see that together? All right, the last one is this. There's always an ingathering of lost people. It does no good to feel good about ourselves because we had a Holy Ghost-filled meeting and get all hyped up, all emotional without life change. I'm not interested in emotional get-ups. I'm interested in genuine change, man. So the change leads to me being a disciple of Jesus, which hopefully leads me to some sin-infested life out there that I came from that gives me the courage to speak the good news boldly. Do, do we see that? They were, what, daily being saved. That is the mark of what was happening here that's what the word says. Question is, are we going to jump in to what God's doing? We don't, we, at NBCC, if you're looking for a church to come to, um, I, I hope it's here, but we're not like trying to make something happen. We want to see where God is working and jump into what he's doing. So number four is what I want to focus on today. It's that word. It's so important that you and I grow in the grace and the knowledge of the word. The Bible's the most unique book ever written. It's the number one best-selling book of all time. Written over a, spirit, uh, a span of 1,500 years by 15 different authors on every continent and different walks of life, and they all say the same thing. The Bible is not one of many religious books. It is the unique book, way different than any other religious book because it was written by God who inspired men and women to write it down. It's not a man-made religion. It's a God-made relationship. And, and think about this. You have a Bible in your hand. You have a smartphone in your hand that has Genesis to Revelation. You have the very Word of God with you. So why is it that we neglect it so much? We're missing hearing from God. Maybe it's because we are so familiar with it. Hebrews 4.12, let me just remind us. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What other book even comes close to claiming to do that? Because God loves you and me, and he knows everything about us. And he wants us to be more like Jesus. Why do we gather here, those of you who believe in Jesus? I know it's not because he's really comfortable green chairs. I hope it's because you love Jesus and the word. That's the two things I want here at the end of these next 18 minutes is know the word and I love the word. Just, just, just I want to illustrate for you the power of this word. Alone. 
My wife and I, when we suffered it with G- for Jesus in Hawaii for six years, we suffered there working with high school and junior high kids. It was great. We sensed that God was telling us, take these high school kids who have grown up in church all their life, get them out of their comfort zone, and let's go serve someone else. So we went 3,000 miles south into the islands of Samoa. When we, went, when we went there, we met a couple, Jim and Judy. They had been raised in a cult, C-U-L-T, which basically means a religious organization that is not biblical. You following me? Stay with me here. They were raised in that kind of group that was not Christianity. So they were raised that way. That's all they knew. That's what they were devoted to. They're telling their story to us while we're here in Samoa with these 15 high school kids that we just are here to serve the people in the village. They shared this story that in the middle of the night, he would get up quietly from where he was sleeping next to his wife. He'd get up and go into the bathroom, turn on the light, and he opened up his Bible and he started reading it. Now, the reason this makes a big deal, not for us, because of course I have a Bible. They told him in his organizational religion, you cannot read the Bible till you read our book first. So he felt led, something was telling him, read the Bible. So after about three weeks of this, they were sitting at the dinner table one night with his wife. He grabs her hand and says, honey, I have something to tell you. I have to confess. She's like, oh no, what is it? What did he do? I've been reading my Bible. And it says something different than what we were raised with. God loves us for free. He, after reading the book of John, he understood that it's by God's grace we are saved. She's holding hands with him, right? And she says, I've been doing the same thing. <laughs> this, is, this is how it went down. They ended up giving their life to Jesus Christ, got saved by grace, baptized, Holy Spirit power, everything. And now that's why they're in Samoa for the rest of their retired lives, because they want to share the gospel with people who are on the island. All they know is religion. They didn't know relationship. I, I tell you that because it's the word. I, I want you to be inspired that this word is powerful. And when we read it and we apply it, something begins to happen. Number one in your notes is this, understanding that the Bible is more than a historical book. Yes, it is a historical book. Yes, it has facts. Yes, it has evidences. More than any other piece of literature known to mankind. There are over 500 manuscripts of the New Testament alone that are in in museums. It's the most amazing book. Over 300 prophecies alone about Jesus, and every single one of them have come true. There's not one false prophecy in the Bible. Everything is truth in the Word of God. No contradictions, no mistakes. But it's more than that. It's his... It's God's heart, his love letter to you. Come on, guys. When you were dating her, you wrote her notes. Right? You didn't copy something down. It came from the heart. It's exactly what this book is. It's God's heart for us, his love letters to us. And God wants us not only to know it, but to breathe it, to live it, to experience it. And that happens when we obey him. So, I was reading a book this week, acquainting myself with a wonderful um, thing called Experiencing God. And the author of this book said, we are the most 
biblically illiterate society in his 85 years of living on this earth than he's ever seen. 81% of Christians think that the verse, God helps those who help themselves, is in the Bible. 81%. That's not in the Bible. I thought God helps those who are helpless. I can't help myself. That's why I needed Jesus in my life, right? The Gallup poll said this, one-third of Americans don't know who delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Half of those who knew thought it was Billy Graham. And I don't, I don't say that judgmentally. I say that shame on us as pastors first because we're not teaching the Word. If, we, if we're teaching the Word, we'd have a whole lot more folks that are better equipped and I believe more in love with Jesus. Which, by the way, that doesn't mean... And turn to verse 2. Isn't this exciting? I had a professor one time that told us in youth ministry class when I was in seminary, it's a sin to bore a kid with the Bible. You, you have to, you, first of all, you got to know the word. You got to make it, you got to make it relative to their life. You got to explain it the way Jesus taught with stories and truth. And don't let them wiggle worm out of, well, I don't really want to do what God wants me to do. You tell them truth, man. But you got to tell them with truth and love. Which leads to number two, learning God's word. Learning God's word. Do you know that Jesus believed the Bible? Of course he did, right? We all know that. But I didn't know that the shape of these verses that I want to share with you shed new light on this. Jesus said in Matthew, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds what? From the mouth of God. And of course, we know that Jesus is God, so he knows what he's talking about. John 17, 17, he has the 12 disciples right before he's ready to go to the cross and he's praying to the Father, sanctify these men by the truth. Your word is truth. See what Jesus is confirming, the word of God is true. It's God's word, right? 2 Peter 3, 18 says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Son of God. See, yes, it's good to learn, but we must apply what we learned and let God apply to us what he wants us to walk into, which leads to number three, living and applying God's word. So it's not wrong. It's good that you're here on Sunday morning on a weekend service because I want to worship God, get my heart realigned, hear from God. I need to get that word. In my car, I put on 107.9 on K-Wave because I want to get that word. When I'm going from one appointment to another, that pastor may speak something from the word or he's reading from the Bible. I got that word, yeah, right? I need the word. It's the word of God. I don't want to rely on my feelings. I don't want to rely on experience. I rely on the word of God, regardless of how we feel about it. So the writer in Psalms says 119 verse 7, if you're taking notes, Psalm 119, verses 7 to 10. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. As I'm learning the word, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man stay on the path of purity? By living according to the word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Do we see what the writers are saying? They so devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, okay, I get it. I'm with you. I need to do it. But how? This is one way 
But if we really want to get in the fast track on the 91 freeway, I will engage myself in a smaller group of people. That's what Jesus did. Jesus grabbed 12 men, and he didn't just stand up. Now turn to verse 6. He did life with them. There was times that, yes, he taught them, but he taught them also through example. Come live the way I live. I want to show you what God is like because I'm going to be leaving, and I'm leaving this show to you guys. I'll be with you. I'll be in you by the Holy Spirit, but I have a mission for you. I don't want you to stand up and tell everybody what to do. I want you to be very real about your life. So go ahead and tell your story about how you used to be. Peter, when you stand up and give the gospel, you tell them you were a rotten liar, cusser, cheat. Tell them all that stuff you did. Matthew, tell them about how much you ripped off. Zacchaeus, tell them. In fact, you used to steal from your own people. Tell them the story because I want them to see my power in you. I want, to see, I want them to see the transformation power that is available to every person on earth because God loves every person and he wants everyone to know the good news of Jesus and he wants everybody to be so, watch that word, that Greek word in verse 42, praskaterio. It means completely devoted with perseverance that's constant. It's not, well, I devoted my life to Jesus Christ when I was five years old. That's wonderful that you did that. But it's a constant persevering. Why did he have to, ex why did he tell, explain explicitly constantly? Because you got a devil who's after you. There's a devil who's after this church. If the devil can come in and start dividing. I don't like this. I don't like that. Why do you say this? Why'd you do that? I was hurt by this. They'll never ask me again. They didn't ask me to be on the stage. We can come up with a myriad of excuses about why to leave the church and cause trouble. Who fuels all, fuels all that? It's the devil, right? He's not welcome here. In Jesus' name, you're out. And we love one another. And we love each other. And we pray. And we're so devoted to the word together. I want to encourage you. I know you're always telling me, get in a life group, Pastor Mike. Get in a life group. You, you, it is survival. I must be with some brothers. I must be with some sisters. I must be with like-minded people because it's a jungle out there, dude. And you're going to get beat up. That You need a place. Peter and John went back to their people. We need a life group. And the centerpiece of that life group is the word. So the question is, are we all in? Yes. Well, I don't like to read. <laughs> right? Anybody here? Can I be real with you? I don't like when, I'm, when my wife and I go on vacations, she'll bring all these books. She got e-books, F-books, that book, whatever book, all these books. And she's got physical books and she brings them all in these bags. I'm like, honey, we're going for four days. What do you got? She loves to read. I didn't bring any books. Because <laughs> I don't love to read. But that's not an excuse for me to say, well, I don't really like to read, so I'm not reading the Bible. You catch? Yeah. That means I have to discipline myself that much more. Now, here's the, here's the trick to all this. As I discipline myself to do what is right, learn the word. God put a love in my heart for the word. I can turn on my Bible app and listen to it, 
right? As I'm getting ready in the morning, I can put it on my, uh, 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 in, in the car. I can, I can physically read the word. But what if it's just a chore for me? Hang in there. Keep doing what you know is right. You ever gone out to, to dinner with some folks that you just love hanging out with, and you'll hang out doing something you don't like doing, but you'll hang out because you love the people? You got, you're with me, right? I'll go wherever you guys want me to go, even though I don't really like that. Denny's. Midnight, Denny's. I'm not really that hungry. It's kind of late. I don't want that food sitting on me, and I certainly don't want to eat all these carbs. It's late. But you're with five or six people that are like, yeah, man, let's get breakfast at 12.30 in the morning. Pancakes, sausage, eggs. Let's just do it, right? Syrup all over it. Let's just get that pie a la mode, the whole deal. And you're sitting there. I'll have water, please, right? And all of a sudden, as they're eating, and you're smelling it, and you're looking at the cherry on top of the sundae, and you're starting to go, wow. Um, excuse me, uh, sir, could you come back? I think I'd like to have one of those. Ever been there? When we're around it, we start to develop an appetite for it. But if I just go, well, God, put a love in my heart for the word. See, I got to move toward it, put myself in an atmosphere, and then God starts to well up something, man. I guarantee you, you will become so addicted. You want to find something to be addicted to? The word of God, right? We get addicted to so many things out there. Jesus, I want to be addicted to him. And that requires my participation. It's not magic. It doesn't just happen. God is awesome. Yes, he is extraordinary. And he wants your life to be extraordinary. But if you just exclude the word, you'll be flat. You got to get in the word. Life groups, weekend services, men's life groups, women's life groups, radio, reading the word. I don't care. However you get it, get that word. And know that it takes time. It's not just overnight. It takes time, right? The Vico Baranucci. Michelangelo's father was a very wealthy businessman. He didn't understand God's anointing on his son, so he beat him. He abused his own son as a little boy. No son of mine will use his hands to make a living. Years later, there was a visiting prince that came to Michelangelo, caught him staring at an 18-foot block of marble. He said, the rumors are true for four months. He'd look at this side. Look at this side of it. Through the hours of the day, for four months, never touching it. What are you doing? The prince asked. Astolo varando. I'm working. Three years later, the block of marble became the statue of David. Well, Lord, I'm reading the Bible, but it doesn't feel like it's working. I'm working. Right? What's the word today? 
Estola Verando. We're all going to become Italian here. Right? I'm working. But I need my word to work in you. So, Father, I just thank you that your word is so crystal clear. There's no question, there's no doubt that they were about the apostles' teaching. And God, our desire is that we don't want to be flat-line believers. We don't want to be apathetic, comatose, no life, no breath. God, you came to breathe new life in us. Help us to have the courage, God, to activate what you already put in us. God, my number one prayer here is if there's anyone in this room that feels like they're not good enough, feels like they've been too far into sin, feels like they've been addicted too long, that you would speak into their heart right now. You can never do anything to get away from my love. And if there's anyone here today, Jesus, and you know every heart, I don't, that needs you right now, Jesus, in their heart, salvation, Go to heaven when we die. I'm in. Have life here on earth. Mission. Living. Yeah, I'm in. Thank you, Jesus. You're one prayer away from stepping in. God, my prayer now is, is for any one of us here that, that, yes, we believe in Jesus. We believe the Bible. My prayer, God, is that we have a renewed understanding. You are an extraordinary God. Stretch out your hand, God. Perform miracles and signs for a world that needs to see that you're alive. And I pray, God, that you will use us as we heartfelt take the word, understand it, learn it, and most of all, live it in a life group, here on Sunday, in our own personal time. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. 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 So something... We're so glad you were able to join us today. If you'd like more information on this teaching or any other teaching, check out our website at mvcchome.org.